Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 3, Chapter 31, On Disregarding Creatures to Find the Creator. The Learner. Lord, I am still much in need of greater grace. If I am to reach the state where no one and nothing in all creation can bar my advance. As long as anything holds me back, I cannot fly freely to you. To fly freely. That was his desire. The man who said, had I but wings, I cry as a dove has wings to fly away and find rest. Psalm 54. Who is more at rest than the man who is clear-sighted? What greater freedom is there than to desire nothing upon earth? A man should therefore rise above all that is created, and leaving himself completely behind, see with rapt eyes that there is no comparison between creatures and you, the creator of them all. Unless a man has disentangled himself from all things created, he will not be free to make for the things of God. That is why you find so few contemplatives. There are not so many people who can cut themselves off completely from things created and doomed to pass away. It needs a good deal of grace to lift the soul up so far that it is carried higher than itself. But unless a man is lifted up in spirit, free of all attachment to creatures and completely united to God, nothing he may know or possess is of much consequence. Anyone who esteems as valuable anything apart from God, the only, the boundless, the eternal good, will long remain small in soul and rise very little above the earth. Whatever is not God is nothing. And as nothing, we ought to reckon it. There is a world of difference between the wisdom of a devout man enlightened by God and the knowledge of a learned and studious man of letters. Knowledge which streams into the soul from above by the outpouring of God's grace is of a far nobler kind than that which is painfully put together by the efforts of man. You can find a lot of people who long to be contemplatives, but they take no trouble to adopt the practices essential for such a state. It is a great obstacle. If we set great store by outward things and things that affect the senses, and yet hardly bother to bring under stricter control our unruly impulses. By what spirit are we led, I wonder? What are we aiming at, we who would like to be called spiritual men? The trouble we go to, the drudgery we put up with, for the sake of the most ephemeral and unrewarding causes. Yet when it comes to our inner life, How seldom do we give it thought? How seldom keep our senses completely under control? The sad truth 
is that after a little time given to meditation, we rush straight away and plunge into our outward life, never thinking to weigh on the delicate scales of conscience all that we do. We do not consider where our affections lie, nor grieve for the sinful imperfections of all our actions. No creature on earth, but had lost its true direction. That was why the great flood came upon them. When our inner longings are full of corruption, the actions to which they give rise must also be corrupted. That is a sign of our lack of inward strength. Only from a pure heart comes its natural fruit, a good and holy life. People are concerned to know the greatness of a man's achievements. They are not so interested in assessing the underlying goodness of his life. Is he brave, wealthy, good-looking? Is he a good writer, a good singer, a good worker? Those are the questions they ask. He may be humble, patient, gentle, and live a devout inner life. But you won't get many people to mention any of that. Nature looks at a man from the outside. Grace turns its gaze inward. Nature often makes mistakes. Grace trusts in God, fearing to be deceived. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whatever is not God is nothing, he says. Why does Thomas Akempis say that? Whatever is not God is nothing. Well, God alone is. God alone is his own act of existence, the philosophers say. God is the necessary being. God is the one who always is. He had no beginning. He has no end. But every other creature, well, that is every creature, because God's not a creature, every creature, every other being has a beginning, an origin. It was created from nothing. And so in that sense, everything is nothing. In another way, everything that's not God is nothing in comparison to him. See, if only we had a stronger awareness of the greatness of God, the only, the boundless, the eternal good, then we would more properly see everything in its true light. As we've read in other books, what's a match compared to the sun? I mean, it's true that a match can give light and in deep darkness, a match can be very helpful. And a match can light a candle and can light many candles. But in comparison to the sun, it's nothing. The light it gives is so tiny. 
And so everything created in comparison to God is as nothing. And especially when we think of things apart from God, if we try to treat a relationship, if we try to treat ourselves, that's the biggest issue, ourselves. If we try to create, treat anything else in our life, sports, money, houses, cars, work, makeup, TVs, reputations, books. What value do all these things have if they're not somehow leading us to God? What value will they have for us if we lose God? And so we have to distinguish the things from our impulses, our desires for things. And Thomas Aquinas in this chapter is saying, if we want to really be close to God, if we want a prayer life in which we find God in a deep, loving awareness of his presence, that's what the contemplative is. He's someone who has a loving awareness of God's presence, God's activity. This state of a kind of inner friendship with the Lord, in which we dwell in his love, we are aware of his love, we are aware of his activity, his actions. That state, that kind of prayer, is blocked when we don't pay attention to our hearts. See, God has to be the center of our heart. He's got to be the king of our hearts. And when we turn from him, when we put other things in his place, then we're blocking out prayer. We're blocking out that living relationship with him. Think of any relationship that we have. If there's something that's been put front and center of our life and not our spouse or our friend, until that thing is kind of removed, it's kind of hard to get back to our deep connection, our deep intimacy. And so it is with the Lord. When we set things up as more important than they are, causing hindrances in our relationship until we repent of it, until we turn from it. And so what do we have to be aware of? It's our desire for things that we don't need, true, but also about our reputation. What is really important to us? Is it really important to us that we're good-looking, wealthy, being a great singer, being a good worker, a good writer? Okay, those things can have a place. I mean, if you're trying to find a spouse, then you need to care how good-looking you are or not. Well, fine. We need to care about money. Fine. We need to care about our singing voice. Absolutely, for some people, for sure. But what's more important? Being a good singer or being humble? Being a good worker or being patient? Being a good writer or being gentle? Being good-looking or having an inner devout life? Well, we know the answer as, as Catholic Christians. And Thomas Kempis is challenging us tonight. Seek a deeper interior life. Seek a deeper interior. Pay attention to where your affections are. Pay attention to your motivations. Pay attention to the inner longings. But it's, in the end, it's not all up to us, as he says in the first line. Lord, I am still much in need of greater grace if I am to reach that state 
where no one and nothing in all creation can bar my advance. We want to advance in holiness. We want to get to the state of loving God, of being aware of how things relate to God, loving things in the proper way, loving ourselves in the proper way, loving our reputations in the proper way. But to get to that state, huh, lots of grace. And where does grace come from? The Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, into our hearts and bring your grace with it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.